This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sam and Rose Stein Institute for Research on Aging and Center for Healthy Aging's monthly, research, monthly public lecture event. For those of you I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Danielle Glorioso, and I'm the Executive Director of the Center for Healthy Aging. I'm so delighted to see such a nice, lovely turnout for our event tonight. For those of you who are new to us, our Center for Healthy Aging focuses on advancing lifelong health and well-being through research, training, and community outreach. This public lecture series is an example of one of our community outreach programs that we have, which has been happening for over 20 years now to the public uh, for free. And the idea really is to get exciting advances that are happening in the field of aging out to the community so that we can really make a difference and the community can benefit from all of the work that's happening here at UCSD and beyond. Uh, As I mentioned, this public lecture series is free and is sponsored um, by donations. So we'd like to thank all of you who have supported us through the years. Um, Without your help, we would not be forging new and exciting advances in the field of aging. Uh, If you have an interest in learning more about us or supporting the work that we're doing, you can find more about us at aging.ucsd.edu. And I would also like to note our kind and generous sponsors for tonight. The company Great Call has sponsored this lecture for all of us tonight, and we're so grateful to have the opportunity to partner with them. They're a San Diego company, and they have innovative technology that's used to help older adults uh, live healthfully. Um, So with that, I would like to introduce our speaker this evening, Dr. Motajimi is a board-certified internist and geriatrician, and he's currently affiliated with the VA San Diego Healthcare System and is an assistant professor of medicine here at UC San Diego School of Medicine. Uh, As an assistant professor of medicine, he's involved in training medical students, residents, and fellows at UC San Diego, and he also provides care for older adults with emphasis on treatment of acute and chronic illnesses, inpatient, and long-term care. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Motajimi. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanks for being here. I hope we have a good session today. So um, we're going to talk about a little bit about brain and memory and the things that we can do to keep our memory and to prevent worsening of our cognition and memory. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about brain and aging, what is normal and what is not normal, some medical conditions, role of activity, diet, supplements, and drugs. So as a person gets older, changes happen in all parts of our body. We all know that. We all go through that. Uh, Certain parts of the brain shrink over time as we age Some people even think that this starts around age of 40, but certainly after 60s and 70s, you're going to see some shrinking of the brain on the imaging, Uh, especially some areas which are important to learning, important to memory, planning, and other complex mental activities. So with this shrinking, there is going to be some mild deficits in doing these tasks. Um, Also, there are some changes between the neurons, which are the cells in our brain, and the neurotransmitter. Those are the 
the factors that they secrete and they communicate through. And all of that changes, affects the communication between the cells in our brain. Also, there are changes in the brain's blood vessels. So what it really means that the blood flow can be reduced because our arteries get clogged, get narrow, and there's less growth of new arteries and capillaries. So as we grow older, some people may notice a very mild or modest decline in their ability to learn new things, retrieve information, such as remembering names. And they may perform worse on some complex task of attention, learning, and memory than a young person would. But a lot of studies have shown that if we give a person who is 70-year-old, 80-year-old, more time than a younger person, most of the time they will get the task done. So the main thing is, okay, so we're aging, and let's say we're 60, 65, 70, 72. So what is normal? So we know there are some changes in our brain, but what should be a normal part of this aging? Should we worry about this, or should we just say, okay, you know, this happens to everybody? So we do have this diminished ability to remember names. It happens to most of us when we age. We go to a party, we get introduced to somebody, we come out, and we say, you know, I met this very nice guy who works there, but I just don't even know his name. I forgot. Okay, that can happen. That can be normal. Uh, Diminished ability to find the correct word. Again, you go to the store and you're thinking, okay, I want this for my door. Uh, what was it? I don't know what we call it. This is, uh, uh, and then the guy would say, oh, yeah, you want this. So that can happen to, that can be a part of a normal uh, aging. Diminished ability to remember where objects are located. Maybe some of you, when you leave here, you might not find your car. <laughs> I'm one of them. Uh, so it could be part of normal aging. It's not like we should panic. It's not like real alarming. I'll, I'll tell you when it's alarming and when it's not alarming. And also some diminished ability to concentrate. So yeah, you know, you might not be able to read a 400 book and remember everything from page two. You might not be able to very complex task. So those things can be part of normal aging. Again, the important thing is all these things that could happen, they're not always consistent. They're not getting worse. Uh, usually, there's some decline in recall of new information. So you might remember things in the past, but you know, if you buy a new iPhone, you might not be able to learn how to use it. You know, if your you know, grandchildren buys you a new iPad Air, you might not be able to use, learn how to use it, but you're happy with your own phone. Uh, that's why because it's harder to learn new things. One of the things is reminders really work. So if you guys you know, write a notes, grocery list, this really helps. There's nothing uh, embarrassing about it. I do it myself when I go shopping. So these reminders actually help, and there's nothing wrong with using reminders. Some people think this is, oh, I shouldn't do this because it means I'm losing my memory. I'm getting, but it's okay. It's totally fine. The important thing is if all these things that you're seeing are part of the normal aging, they should not have any significant effect on your activities of daily living. What does that mean? That means if you from time to time forget the name of the person you met at a party or your uh, real estate guy, 
or some phone number, as long as you're functioning independently, living, taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, if this happens once in a while, it's okay. If once a month you forget where you parked your car, maybe it's okay. But if you're going to forget it every day, okay, that's, that's something we have to take seriously. Okay, so as long as you're still independent, you're still functioning at whatever level you're supposed to be, that's fine. We've had people who were uh, professors at UCSD who have some memory problems, but they'll still teach. They're still very strong, and you know that's part of normal aging. Even though they might forget things from time to time, they're active, they're living, they're teaching, they're working. So that's part of normal aging. Again, you know, typical things that can happen. You know. Making a bad decision once in a while. Yeah, you know, we all go shopping. Maybe we buy something which was not the best choice. Maybe we spend too much money buying that thing. If it's once in a while, you know, it's okay, you know. Maybe missing a monthly payment. Okay, we all have uh, gas, electricity, water, mortgage, insurance, car insurance, uh, loan. So we have, I don't know. Who has less than 10? Nobody. Everybody has at least 10 payments a month. I have 34. So, you know, it's, so if you miss one in a while, you know, it's okay. The trick is everybody is doing auto pay these days, so that takes care of the trick. But, you know, once in a while is fine. So forgetting which day it is and remembering later. So there's two parts to this sentence. Forgetting which day it is. So we go, when we go to ask our patients, so what day is today, Mr. Smith? And they say, oh, well, it's Tuesday. Or no, wait, it's Monday. Mm, it is easiest Tuesday and Monday. Then we, so I'm not alarmed because if I like give him a minute, he'll remember everything. That might be just a normal part of our age. Again, if it's just once in a while, it's not a persistent, progressive thing. It's okay. The important part in that sentence is that you remember later. You say, oh, yeah, doctor, come back. Oh, I, told, I remember. Now it's like, oh, it's, I was born at this day. Or, like, oh, you know, I have like this and that. Sometimes forgetting which word to use. Yeah, you know, sometimes it happens, especially if you're like busy, we're under stress, so much is happening in our mind. Yeah, you might want to say something, we forget which word we wanted to say, or we are thinking about something else, somebody else is talking to us, so we say something wrong once in a while. That's really not an alarming thing. Again, typical things that can happen as we grow older, losing things from time to time. Again, this is very important, but see, there's two parts to this sentence. So losing things from time to time. Where's my glasses? Where's my keys? Oh, so you don't know, so we forget. But then you think, okay, I came out from the car, I put the bag here, I put my keys here, then I went to the bathroom, so if I re- go back, you can find it. So that's, that's normal. If you can do it, that's okay if you forget it. Or you come out after our session and you say, okay, where was my car? And you don't know. But then you remember, oh, I came, it was very hot, I parked it under the shade of this big tree, then we walked three steps, then we met Joe, and we'd go in with Joe. Then you go back and you find those clues and you actually get to your car. So that's normal and that's okay. Forgetting a person's name. When you guys, when you leave here, you won't remember my name. It's okay, right? But maybe tomorrow when you're having breakfast, you might remember, oh, I know, that was his name. So that's fine. That's part of normal aging. Um, 
some people may notice that it takes longer to learn new things. Yeah, it's okay. It's 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 part of aging. Again, our cells in our brain are not as are not working as well as when we were ten. So of course it's going to take longer for us to learn new things. And sometimes we can, sometimes we might not be able to do everything as effective as you know a younger person. And this happens frequently, you know, we sometimes I've seen, you know, our patients or even my own family getting embarrassed because the 10-year-old brings a video game and they can't even play. They can't even get, like, one point, and he's, like, 2,000. <laughs> you know, he's, like, well-known, you know, somewhere. So these things happen. You know, you're not going to be able to do all that. And that's perfectly normal. But what is not normal? So that's the main thing. When should we panic? When should we get worried? When should we, you know, start calling our primary care or our spouse or get worried about it so everything I told you if you see the opposite then we should really start to think about it so people with dementia have trouble and problem with short term memory the keeping track of a purse or a wallet paying bills planning preparing meals remembering appointments traveling out of neighborhood so I want to talk a little bit about each of these Short-term memory. So you're going out. Jack, are you going out? Yes. Can you like put this out on your way out? Sure. And then you come back and Jack is gone. The thing is still there. So that's, he doesn't remember what you told him. Um, keeping track of purse or wallet. Every time, like every, twice a day, four times a day, you know, you keep asking, oh, where did I put my purse? Have you seen my wallet? Or oh, what did I do with my newspaper? Where's my hat? Where's my umbrella? Remember, it's once in a while, it's okay. But if it's persistent, every day is happening about everything, that's abnormal. Paying bills. You know, if you have like four bills to pay every month and you're still missing five of those four bills, <laughs> that's abnormal, okay? Um, planning, preparing meals. You know, like, oh, grandma had the best ravioli recipe and then you go in and it's not like it used to be and she didn't put the meat inside, and the mushroom was not there. And you're thinking like, hmm, maybe I should have gone out with my friends. So you're going to see those you know, changes that suddenly, you know, over a short period of time, they can't do what they used to do. And cooking is really a very complex task. It's like different steps. In your mind, you have to think, I'm going to buy this from the store, then I'm going to cook this, I'm, the onion, I have to do this. So it's a lot of actually complex tasks, multi-steps. And you'll see one of the things that actually we hear a lot from the patients or patient's family is that they can't cook anymore. They, don't, they forget how to do it. Uh, there was a movie recently, I don't know if you guys saw that movie, uh, and one of the things that when the character who had uh, dementia forgot how to cook her recipe uh, for Thanksgiving. So that's very common. Remembering appointments. Okay, you know, I had an appointment and I forgot. It happens to me every couple of years. But if we see a patient or a clinic that is missing, every time you make an appointment, then we, she's missing our uh, GI appointment, then missing the cardiology appointment, or showing up on another day. When we're sitting there, like, then Mrs. Smith comes in, oh, I'm here for my appointment. Hey, you know, your appointment was like two days ago. Oh, oh, I thought it was... Too. So you see, so those things are really uh, red flags. Traveling out of neighborhoods. So you see, somebody who's been living in this neighborhood for the last 30 years, 
knows all the neighbors, knows the names of the dogs of the neighbors, the grandchildren of, he, they know everything. And then suddenly they go out and they don't come back, they get lost, they end up somewhere else. So those are red flags. Um, and that's very dangerous, you know, like it can have a lot of problems. And again, unable to remember things. One of the first things that happens with dementia is like short-term memory. And then asking the same question, repeating the same story over and over. Because they don't remember, they already told you that. So say, oh, yeah, you remember, you know, I did this and that. Oh, okay, that was really funny. And then like five minutes later, oh, did I tell you that story about this and that? Oh, you told me. When? Oh, let me tell you again. And then he tells you again. Then five minutes later, they say, so this is something that's really not typical of a normal aging. This is something that's like a red flag, something that we should really consider really what's going on. We're asking the same question. Oh, uh, where's the peel cutter? Where's the, uh, where's the remote? Oh, it's there. Okay. Honey, where's the remote? Oh, it's there. Okay, great. And you go back. Oh, honey, where did you put the remote? So that's, that's a red flag. That's something that's kind of unusual. Again, as I told you, they become lost in familiar place. They've been living in this neighborhood for 30 years, and now suddenly they don't even know which home, which house is theirs. Another thing, unable to follow directions. So you, one of the tests that we ask our patients is we give them a simple task, like three steps. So we give them direction. You know, fold this paper, put it on your lap, and then like do this. So it's like three steps, but they can't do it. So another thing with if you see somebody or you feel like there's a simple task, which is like stepwise, is very hard for you to do. So that's a red flag. And that's why a lot of times cooking is very hard for them because they can't follow those stepwise. Or they can't like use a microwave or heat. So because it needs like to think about this step and then this step and then this step. Getting disoriented about time, people, places. We already kind of touched on that. Um, they don't know. They forget. And I can tell you a lot of stories about how you know, people who were doing fine, they suddenly forget who you know, they were living with. They, mis- you know, they mistook their wife for their mother. So those are all the red flags. Those are all things that you should really uh, think about. And another thing is uh, neglecting personal safety, hygiene, nutrition. So you see somebody, so you go and check on your you know, grandma, and you see look, she hasn't taken a bath for a month, or hasn't ate for like four days, or hasn't cleaned the house. In like, so those are red flags. You see somebody who was always, you know, maintained her health, always had nice hair done, nice clothes, you know, shining house, and then suddenly you go for a visit, and you say, oh, you know, it's dirty, she hasn't taken a bath, hasn't brushed her hair. So those are red flags. What's happening? Why? Uh, what's going on. So those are, and actually that's very important. That's one of the first things usually when uh, the spouses bring their um, loved one or you know, their husband or wife. And they, that's one of the first things. They say, oh, they don't, they, they don't take a bath anymore or they don't change their clothes. They wear the same you know, underwear for 10 days and they don't want to change it. Um, we see a lot when um, children fly from out of state to visit their parents and they see suddenly like, oh, I haven't seen dad in like six months. I go there and the house is like full of like you know, dirt. He's not eating. There's like, this. so those are all like really red flags. So I'm going to touch very, very minimal on dementia because you guys hear a lot about dementia. Um, recently, we changed the name to neurocognitive impairment so still in the medical arena, we call it something else, but for 
In general audience, we usually still use dementia. So dementia is a general term for decline in mental ability. Remember, it should be severe enough to interfere with daily life. It's not necessarily a specific disease. It's like you have a headache, and this headache could have a lot of causes. It could be a migraine, could be this. So dementia can also have a lot of causes. It's not necessarily a disease itself. Usually has memory problems, some communication language, you know, trouble finding words, ability, they lose the ability to focus and pay attention, some reasoning, judgment, and some visual perception. They cannot really understand what they are uh, seeing. And there's really no specific one test, so it's more like uh, trying to rule out other things. There are some new studies that came out that we can do, try to help, or at least exclude some other diagnosis. But usually doctors now can really uh, diagnose dementia with a high level of certainty. Uh, but then the next is- issue is, okay, so we think this is dementia. What type of dementia or what has caused this dementia? That is still a little challenging from time to time. So we have a lot of types of dementia. The one that we really hear all the time in the public, in the TV, in newspapers, is the Alzheimer one, which is the most common ca- cause of dementia, at least in America. So whenever we hear dementia, it's usually with Alzheimer. But there's other causes, other diseases that can cause dementia, but they're not as common. But the only other thing I want you to know is besides Alzheimer, which is the most common in America, we have vascular, which is people who have stroke. So it's not uncommon for us to see people who get stroke and then have some problems after the stroke with memory, doing like you know tasks. And then Parkinson. People who have Parkinson, a number of them can get dementia. And this is just from the Parkinson. It's nothing to do with Alzheimer. And yes, there are people who can, give, can get both Alzheimer and Parkinson. So, uh, and the risks are really not that common. It's basically, you know, the, when neurologists want to have fun, they, you know, play with this, you know, diagnosis. So I'm going to skip Alzheimer uh, because it's kind of... And go to where we actually want to talk a little more today. Uh, how to keep our brain fit. What are the things that we can do to keep whatever memory function we have, or if we're already losing it, to at least keep it as much as we can. So either to prevent it or to keep the function as much as we have. The bad news is I really don't have a formula or a prescription that will work for everybody. Um, And there is a lot of data, a lot of articles, a lot of um, research published, but at the same time, there's a lot of conflicting data. So a lot of things could go either way. And you'll see as I talk about the steps that I will show you, a lot of times we still don't know what to tell our patients. So, steps to take. So, these steps can take that help preserve the healthy brain aging. And the good thing is, some, most of these steps not only affects the brain aging, actually benefits a person's overall health. So, it's not like you're just doing it for your brain. It gives, increases your mood, helps with your heart, helps with your other things. So, it's basically like you're hitting two birds with a stone, maybe, or maybe three birds. 
So the first and one of the most important thing is management of medical conditions and chronic disease. This is something that we a lot of times see our patients forget. And I'll tell you one by one. So number one, diabetes. Diabetes is becoming like an epidemic in America and all around the world, and we see a lot, and we're seeing a lot of that in our elderly population. There's actually strong evidence linking diabetes with dementia, specifically Alzheimer. Uh, and there have been studies shown that if we have a better control of the diabetes, it can reduce the risk. Remember, diabetes is just not a blood sugar. It's not just a high blood sugar. Diabetes is a process that affects almost every organ in your body. It affects your kidney, affects your arteries, affects your heart, affects your eye, affects your gastrointestinal tract. Um, also, there are some studies which have shown a link between diabetes and Alzheimer's. So one of the first things you can do to help to keep that brain function is if you have diabetes, make sure you control it well. If you have to be you know, taking medication, make sure you take it. Work with your primary care or your endocrine doctor. Have it under control. Controlling your diabetes not only will help you prevent the complications of diabetes, but it also help you prevent or at least reduce the risk of cognitive impairment and dementia. The same thing kind of goes with high blood pressure. Um, high blood pressure, they call it the silent killer. I'm sure you've heard that. Because it really has no symptoms. Hey, you know, my blood pressure is 200. So what? You know, let's have But what happens over time, this affects your heart, your kidney. And there's actually some studies good, strong, vigorous, stu rigorous studies, which have showed a link between uncontrolled hypertension and increased risk of dementia, especially Alzheimer's again. So the thing that you can do is you have high blood pressure, try to control it, try to work with your doctor, take them appropriate medication. They usually will tell you, you know, strict diet, you know, exercise. So work with that. Don't think this is just... You know, number, I don't feel anything. Number one, it will help you keep your heart, your brain, everything under control. It also affects your memory. So that's another way. That's something you can do. There are things that you can't change. You can't slow the process in your brain. But there's things that you can change. We call them modifiable risk factors. If you control your blood pressure, your diabetes, you can help by reducing the risk of dementia. High cholesterol, the same. And there's, um, again, high cholesterol because cholesterol itself can cause uh, artery clog, you know, narrowing of the arteries and clogging. That can cause, you know, uh, stroke. So, again, high cholesterol by controlling it, not only if you help with your brain function and preventing that, but it also helps you reduce your risk of, you know, cardiac or heart disease and strokes. So again, make sure you take your medication. Make sure you talk with your doctor. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about medication for cholesterol. Um, but if you really need to take it, please take it. If you think you want to stop or for whatever reason you, want to, you decide, I don't want it, make sure you talk with your doctor if there's any options. Just don't let it go. This is very important and there's strong uh, 
uh, link. Depression. So depression, again, is important for two, two reasons. Number one, um, there is a strong uh, link between depression and dementia. Number two, a lot of times undiagnosed dementia, uh, I'm sorry, undiagnosed depression will look exactly like a dementia. And we see a lot that, you know, patients come to our clinic and the family think, oh, you know, we think he has Alzheimer's, we have, he has dementia. And we do a workup, we think this is just depression. And we treat them for depression and the memory comes back, the mood comes back. And somebody who was having difficulty concentrating, finding words, kind of perks up and becomes back, goes back to the same person they were. Depression is very, uh, unfortunately, common. And it's actually very common in the elderly population in America. And the worst part is that it's, very, it's much under-diagnosed. And the reason is people don't want to talk about it. The primary cares are too busy to ask about it. Um, so it's very important for a lot of reasons. Um, when you see your primary, most of the time they have 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They might not ask, uh, although they're supposed to. But it's important. So if you feel you have depressed mood or you are diagnosed with depression or you think you're depressed, speak up, talk about it. If you need treatment, please treat that. And um, in, as part of our, our work as doctors is to make sure that when we see a patient with dementia, this is not uh, depression. We used to call, or we still call the depression pseudo-dementia. That means like dementia-like because it was so similar to the presentation of dementia. So hormone imbalance, that's something that came up recently, a couple of years. Uh, and what it means is if you have diseases which like thyroid disease or in men uh, low testosterone, uh, in some women if their estrogen drops to a lower level, they can have symptoms which can show just like uh, early dementia. And most of the time, treatment can help them to bounce back to where they were. Again, put, taking those hormones, there's some risk with taking them, so uh, you really have to make sure you talk with your primary with the, your, or your endocrine doctor. But it's important. Thyroid disease can really cause those symptoms, and it's important to, if you were diagnosed, make sure that you get the treatment and follow up with the, your doctors. Um, another thing that's recently in the last maybe 10, 15 years been we work, we're getting to know a lot more about is obstructive sleep apnea. Those are the people who, you know, at night they snore, they, they stop breathing. We're diagnosing it now a lot better than we used to 20 years ago. And uh, we put them on the machines that, you know, puts the air straight. Um, there are strong links that... Uh, Uncontrolled obstructive sleep apnea can cause memory problems. So again, if you have those symptoms like snoring, sleepiness during the day, or if your you know, spouse, significant other tells you you stop breathing or snoring, it's good to mention that to your primary. It's a sleep, they do a sleep test. And if you are diagnosed with that, you really will make a change by using that, you know, the machine at night. Um, it really strongly changes uh, the cognition. So, 
So first was the medical problem. So making sure that all the medical problems are really taken care of and also, you know, if something's really there, treat it, follow with your doctor. Then the thing that really is out there and you guys will hear about it, read it, and a lot of patients ask us is activities. Should I, you know, be active? Should I play golf? Should I swim? Should I play tennis? So evidence suggests that higher levels of physical and mental activity as well as social interaction may help maintain cognitive function during aging. So if you see, there's three components here, physical, mental, and social. Um, There's numerous studies published, research done, and they all strongly suggest that physical activity and mental activity can help maintain this cognitive function, prevent dementia. So it's very important. There's a lot of research and data to support that. First, physical activity. Most of the studies show that especially aerobic uh, aerobic exercise improves memory, brain function, physical fitness. So if you do physical activity, not only you'll be helping your heart, helping your your lung, but also helps with your function and memory. There's a lot of reasons and there's a lot of studies coming out. We still don't exactly 100% sure why, but some of the theories is when you start doing exercise, you know, you have increased blood flow, so more blood goes to your brain. There's more oxygen going to the brain cells. There's, there's um, factors which are secreted which helps with the brain cells to grow or the transmitters to you know, touch each other. So all of these exercises will help and make some changes in your brain which will help maintain that function. So a lot of people ask, uh, you know, ask me or, or my colleagues, so what activity, what should I do? You know? So the first answer is any activity is better than nothing. Right? And the thing is, most, some of the studies, they look at people who were spending most of their time in bed or in chair with people who were doing something. And they saw over time there's reduced risk of dementia and the people who were active and doing some, anything. Then, you know, the thought was, okay, so what should we tell the patients to do? What kind of activity? What, I mean, you come to me and I say, okay, you should be active. But then you ask me, okay, doctor, I forgot your name. What kind of activity? (laughs) And I say, well, you know, so it depends. That's something you have to kind of tailor make it for yourself. If you have bad arthritis, I'm not going to tell you run four miles a day around Balboa Park. You know, you can't do it. So maybe a little swimming, maybe even like playing golf, you know, anything is better than doing nothing. Not only because of the, you know, this changes in your body, but also it brings up this good mood and this what we call euphoria, makes you feel better, takes your mind off worry and stress. So being active is a great way and it really helps. What kind of activity? There's some, you know, studies came out looking at different, you know, stud- different activities. And everybody's trying to come up with, you know, okay, what's, what should we tell our patients to do? Is yoga a good choice? Is martial arts a good choice? What do you guys think? Could be. Could be. You know, there were like some Chinese martial arts, which actually there are some studies that says that that actually helps. Um, Again, we still don't know exactly what helps 
because the studies which are out there are diff done in different countries, different groups of people with different comorbidities, but they all universally suggest that physical activity helps. Especially, now that we know that it helps, remember, physical activities that require hand-eye coordination or complex motor skills are beneficial. So just walking is fine, but if you're going to do something that like playing tennis, if you can, that means you have to look at the you know, coordination. That's better than just walking. That's better than just running, if you can. Again, that's, you have to talk to your doctor. If you just had an MI last week, you know, of course you don't want to go on the tennis court. So that's something you have to talk with your primary, figure out what you can do. But if you have a choice, doing something that requires coordination, it's, it's better than just some physical activity. Um, okay, then we come to mental activity. So regularly challenging your brain with mentally stimulating activities is associated with better function. Reduced risk of cognitive decline and dementia. This has been proven. Lots of studies, research published. And again, all of them point out that there's benefit, but there's some debate about, okay, what should we do? Again, like the physical activity, now we come to mental activity. What should I tell you to do when you leave here? If you remember it, what should you do when I tell you? What should you do when you go home? What should you buy on your way home? Um, some people would say, oh, you know, crossword puzzles. So do call. Actually, there were studies. They look into both of these. And the studies were kind of conflicting. Some of them were like, okay, yeah, they're good and it improves. Then some studies came out, you know, not really as good as we thought. So these studies are done at different, comp different areas, different countries, different people. They're not universally done with the same, you know, same um, methods. But again, I think anything is good. Um, whether if you like crossword puzzles, by all means, do it. If you like Sudoku, do it. But remember, things that need some creativity, some problem solving, Learning our new skills, those are better because it's like you're training your mind. You're um, trying to do something you've never done before. You're putting something in your memory, then you're trying to get it out. So that's, that's exercise is better than, you know, just maybe a crossword. And also you should have fun doing it. So I'm not going to tell my patient that really hates crossword puzzles. You need to do three hours every day or you have to like, you know, stand there with one leg up. No, it's, it's not. Somehow. So you have to enjoy that. So you have to find what you enjoy, what gives you this good feeling and you like it and do that. But at the same time, should keep should be challenging, should keep your mind, you know, um, working and thinking. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, I'm too old to learn new languages. But actually, some studies show that's not true. And actually, that's a very good way if you try to you know, study a new language. That actually helps. And um, a lot of studies were done. They, you know, they took a group of 70-year-olds. Like, you know, they taught them like, new skills or languages. And they, after five years, they followed them. The people who actually learned new skills, new languages, they did a lot better. Their memory stayed more... Uh, the people who really did nothing and just doing like you know the usual stuff, they declined faster. So it, it, there's nothing wrong with trying to learn a new language. 
You might not be fluent enough to go to United Nations, but it's good enough to learn something. You know, that will keep your brain um, working. This third part was socialization. So this is, again, something that um, is well studied. Uh, it actually does have a protective effect. Social engagement is what makes you mentally engaged. You know, if you sit home, you know, but if you go out, you meet some people, maybe you'll forget their names, maybe you'll forget some stuff, but at least you're going to think about, hey, you know, this, that, this happened, we went. And that's one of the things that adult daycares are very good for people who have dementia because they go there, they get in, you know, they talk with other people. Sometimes they find people with the same interests, with the same backgrounds. Hey, you know, I fought in you know, the Korean War. Oh, I was in Vietnam. They have stuff. So they bond. Um, studies show that people who have strong social ties, you know, they have a book club. There's a, you know, fam like neighborhood things. Friends, family, community groups, they actually do better. They have less uh, cognitive impairment. Even if they do have it, it declines slower. So it's good to have that. It's good to be in a social circle. It's good to be part of the book club. Even if you, you, know, have, you, know, you can't keep up with everybody, it's good to go to family meetings, gatherings. Um, those things are really helpful for your brain function. And um, some studies actually say, you know, when you're part of the group, uh, you end up be doing more activities with them because if you're all alone, hey, you know, there's no fun going, you know, hiking or going anywhere. But if you're part of a group, then you guys go on a tour, you go to Julian. And so you act, because you're more active, more motivated, you have friends to keep up. And actually that improves the physical activity part also. And... Uh, also, part of social is like, you know, creative passions and fa favorite activities. You know, people say, you know, I, in my mind, I always wanted to do painting, but, you know, I was in college, and I am married, and I have kids, and I have this and that. And, you know, okay, so if you love it, this is the best thing to do. You know, go to a painting class, art class, do something that you like, you know, hang out with people who, you know, like to do the same thing. Those things actually help a lot to keeping your brain active and uh, working. So the next thing is we all usually get a lot of questions of diet. So what should I eat? So there's actually studies, good studies, which have shown possible benefits. And I'm going to tell you why possible benefits. For diets which have high fish and omega-3 fatty acids, so there's some conflicting data. And why? Because studies came out, they said, oh, if you eat more fish, you know, you're going to have good memory, and then some studies came and showed, oh, we saw no benefit. So there's, they're going back and forth about, especially with omega-3. So if you ask me and I say, well, if you like fish, why not? <laughs> but can I really, you know, tell you, it's 100% guaranteed that it's going to, you know, uh, stop your memory from declining? No, the data we have is goes back and forth. Um, the same thing with high fruit and vegetable intake. Everybody is, you know, talking about, you know, eating more food, more vegetable, for a lot of other reasons, you know, cancers, uh, weight loss, this and that, which is totally fine. But when it comes to memory, again, there's some conflicting data. So I tell everybody, you know, eat a lot of fruit, vegetable, whether you're young, whether you're 7 or 70, 
eat vegetables and eat anything you like because you know it's healthy. We know it helps you. And maybe it does help with your memory. I can bring like 10 articles which will say, yeah, it does. And I can bring you nine which says it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, still, it's better. And, and then other, there's some thought that when you eat a lot of vegetables, you basically are eating less red meat, red, you know, other things which are bad for you. So it has like an effect also on your cardiovascular and your well-being. So I still think, even though the data is not really strong enough, yeah, why not? Why not should no fruit? Some uh, few studies came out about what we call the Mediterranean diet, which is, again, high in fruit and vegetables, but a lot of beans, nuts, seeds. Again, this, the few studies came out. It's still not 100% because the studies that came out, they're like, the numbers of people they had were not strong enough. There were some problems with the methods of the studies. But again, most of the data still shows, yes, it helps. But how much? So you're going to ask me, okay, doc, how much vegetables? Is it like, should I eat like a pound? Should I like buy like seeds and like eat like, you know, a fist every day or twice? I really don't know. But I know if you diet, if you've consistently been eating that, it helps. Um, some studies came out about berries like blueberries, strawberries. Again, there's some conflicting data about this. Uh, some people say because it has this flavonoid, which is antioxidant, it helps. Some studies shows that it does help. Uh, again, there were some you know, problems with those studies. One of the studies was really great, but it was uh, paid and sponsored by a strawberry company. Um, <laughs> So, and then the other thing is, okay, how much berries or how much strawberries in a day? A pound, half a pound? Where should we go to buy for, you know, half a pound? Is it a sale or... So, we don't know. We know if you eat it, it's going to be helpful, but how much? It's not like a medication that I can tell you, you know, take 100 milligrams twice a day, it's going to help. I really don't know. A ball, 100 grams, a pound, two pounds, four pounds. I don't know how much of this berry is going to help you. But studies show that it does help to some extent. And again, a lot of these studies are done over a short time. So it's not like we looked at uh, 20, 30 years. And then many of them happened later, so they send a questionnaire or a survey to the people and asking them how much they were eating or what they were eating. So the problem is if you're sending a survey or questionnaire to somebody who doesn't remember well and asking them how much you were eating berries, uh, especially if it's sponsored by a strawberry, you know, producing company. So, Okay. Then, you know, this, this is a big uh, market of supplements and vitamins. Number one, I'm sure you guys all know, but the vitamins are not regulated by FDA. So basically means there's some regulation that we all can put together some money and open a company and make vitamins, but it's not regulated by, by uh, FDA. Um, there has been some thoughts about all these different types of vitamins that will help with memory. The strong one was the vitamin E, and again, this is something that goes back and forth, back and forth. Like two years ago when I was doing this uh, presentation somewhere else, I was looking at the data. Actually, it was very strong that vitamin E might do some, have some role. Again, I was looking this year. There were like two studies came out and said, hey, we saw no benefit. 
um, same thing, vitamin C, beta carotene, B6, B12, vitamin D, even the multivitamins once a day that you know, we all buy and we all take. Really, there is no convincing data that it can prevent dementia. So if you ask me, should I take it? I say, well, you know, yeah, but I really don't know. I, don't, I can't tell you not to take it. Uh, I can't tell you if you can tolerate it, if you can buy it, if you feel it makes you feel better, yes. But is, do I have an evidence to prove, put it on the table and say, yeah, by taking vitamin E, you're not going to lose your memory? I don't have that. Maybe two years ago we had, but no. <laughs> so supplements, yeah, this is a big thing. If you guys go to any pharmacy, there's a big uh, area for vitamins, uh, so this is more like a personal, and if you can always uh, talk to your doctor, talk to your primary, you know, doc, I want to take this, or I want to take vitamin D. Vitamin D deficiency is very common in San Diego, uh, so you might want to talk with your doctor about what is good for you. A lot of the vitamins can cause you know, other complications, like nausea, vomiting, bloating, so you really have to really talk with your doctor, do you really benefit from taking it? For other reasons. For dementia, memory, it's up to you, honestly. We, I don't have any data to strongly tell you, Mr. Smith, you have to take vitamin D because, or vitamin E because it's going to help with your memory. Another thing that's really famous and is probably you all heard this, ginkgo biloba. So, again, there's really no, con- the bottom line is still we don't have no, there's no convincing data that it prevents uh, so this is uh, the last studies that came out. There's two. So this is a long name we use for it. But this is the multi-sender randomized double-blind placebo, which I, I, if I don't put it here, I will remember what it is. It's usually the best kind of studies that we have. And there's like two studies that recently came out. Again, they did not really see much benefit. It's widely used. Uh, many of you might be even taking it. I, I'm not saying you should stop taking it. Talk to your doctor about it. But the, but the data we have really doesn't support that it's going to benefit you. So if you come to me, I'm not going to say, hey, by the way, I'm going, to, I'm going to recommend that you take this. But if you're taking it, I'm not going to tell you to stop because, you know, I don't have any evidence either way. Um, but it's widely used for a lot of reasons, and you see it is widely sold in around the world. Um, so again, some drugs, and there was this thought that, okay, how, some, how about some of the medications that we're using, can they help? One of them was statins, this is like lovastatin, Zocor, Lipitor, that you, many of us take for our cholesterol. There's some, and also there was this thought that, you know, things like aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen, these have an effect, they stop the inflammation, so maybe they would benefit, stop the inflammation in our brain, stop the tissue breakdown. Um, there's some conflicting data again about these. The ends, the aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen, they're kind of, especially aspirin, if you have to take it, yes. But the other two are kind of dangerous. In over 70, they can cause you know, kidney function, high blood pressure, they can cause ulcers, bleeding. So it's really not the best thing to take. And aspirin, if you have to take it for heart disease, for stroke, that's fine. But really, there's no strong evidence that these help. Statins like Zocor, Lipitor, 
that's a little controversy because till maybe two or three years ago, we thought that you know they uh, they might have some effect. Uh, they might have some anti-inflammatory effects, stop the inflammation. But then some studies came out that they actually might uh, cause cognitive impairment and memory loss. Um, so this is a very touchy uh, thing. Um, if we need to be on it, if we are at risk of a stroke, heart attack, you know, clogged artery, and there's a, there is an indication to take it, we should be taking it even though there might be a risk. But there was a time that everybody wanted to be on one of these statins and the doctors wanted to put everybody on a statin. Now that FDA has put that as a warning, so we're kind of like really looking into whether our patient actually needs that or not, and we monitor. So my advice is if you're taking it, continue taking it, but just let your doctor know. And I think all the doctors now know are kind of like conscious about this. Um, again, does it really happen or not? There's some data going back and forth. There's some more studies coming up which will hopefully help us uh, clear this. The other important thing is there's some drugs that you know your doctor, your um, friendly doctor will prescribe for you that can cause memory problems, especially if you use them long time. Um, Painkillers like morphine, codeine, um, you know, as we grow older, we all have arthritis. Some of us get, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, surgeries. Um, over time, continuous taking of these medications can cause uh, cognitive impairment, sleeping pills over time. I'm not saying, you know, stop taking it. I'm just saying, like, you take it all the time without really, because some of them you have to take for a few nights. Uh, Benadryl, which is an antihistamine they use for sleeping, uh, it's widely used as an over-the-counter, and many people can cause in cognitive impairment. Benzodiazepine, like Valium, Xanax, Ativan, over time, they can cause some impairment. Again, I'm not saying that tonight stop taking this if you're taking, but I just want you to know that you know these things can cause, and some of them anti-acid medication can have been known to cause that. Again, the important thing is Always talk with your doctor about the medication you're taking. And if you buy something over the counter or online, make sure you let your doctor know. And if you take any medication, you see some new change or you feel like, hmm, I really can't feel like I'm not clear or like since I started that pill, make sure you talk to your doctor and let them know. So again, always discuss with your primary care doctor about starting vitamin supplements and over-the-counter medication. This happens a lot. We ask the patient, so what are you taking? There's this list of 20 medication. And then the next day we come up, there's a bag of vitamins. So we really need to know. When you see your doctors, always keep them informed if you're taking anything else besides those prescriptions. I need to touch base with this delicate matter of alcohol. Um, there were some studies showing mild benefit in moderate use, mostly with red wine. But remember, actually can, sometimes alcohol can cause more harm than actual benefit. Alcohol is toxic to the brain, toxic to your bone marrow, can kill the nerves. So there are a lot of problems with alcohol. But again, some people did these studies and they saw some benefits. And they actually said, like, you know, one small glass of wine for women or two glasses per man. 
so there might be some benefit, but again, that's something that you really have to be careful how we interpret that. So you know, it doesn't mean that we have to go home tonight and everybody you know, start drinking wine because it can cause problems. But I just want you to know that, you know, hey, you know, if you hear it somewhere, yes, there's this thought going around that it can maybe help. Uh, thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.